Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names and part of the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is with Bernie Telsey. This guy has cast everything you can think of from Broadway to voiceovers to movies to commercials to special events. I mean, gosh, he got his start, put his name on the map with Rent back in 1996 and has even cast the the most recent Mary Poppins movie, Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, gosh, his company is just legendary in, in the industry here and has so many shows under his belt. And, you know, he and his team, they built up this hugely successful casting company. And even as successful as he is, he is still extremely friendly, extremely personable. Before we started recording, we were just chatting and and hanging out in one of his one of his audition studios in his office. Uh, and then he he was excited to show me around the office afterwards. And he really wanted to make an a genuine connection, a one-on-one connection, which I, I really appreciate, you know, when I think as an actor, you're just going in front of readers that don't give you anything, or you're going in front of casting agents that make you feel nervous or whatever it is, like to meet like one of the biggest and have him be such a real person is, is really refreshing. So Bernie, kudos to you. Before we get into the episode, as always, please visit me on thetheaterpodcast.com and show your support via thetheaterpodcast.com slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And now, please enjoy this episode with casting director Bernie Telsey. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Here you go. One, two, three. My guest today owns Telsian Company, one of the most successful casting agencies in New York City. He and his company are credited with casting 175 Broadway shows, 58 tours, both of which, those numbers don't even include the off-Broadway and regional productions for theaters such as Atlantic Theater Company, Signature Theater, Westport County Playhouse, and La Jolla Playhouse, just to name probably what is a very small handful. He and his company are also credited with 97 film and TV shows ranging the gamut of pretty much all genres, interests, and sizes. In addition, Telsey and Company cast voiceover gigs, commercials, and special events, and somehow, I feel this is kind of only the tip of the iceberg. So, Bernie Telsey, welcome to the theater podcast. That makes me want to go to sleep right now after you said that. (laughs) Well, I, what I was, one of the things I was most impressed with while researching for this episode was how much you and your team have done in such a relatively short amount of time. And that's what I want to really dig into is, you know, your past, where'd you come from? How did you put this company together? And then how did you make it so successful? So there's our table of contents. Oh, okay. That's, <laughs> that's good. Uh, so start at the beginning. Like what, Little Bernie. Uh, little Bernie. Uh, I grew up in Long Island. Uh, and I sort of fell in love with the theater in day camp uh, and started doing shows and and then I had a high school that didn't really have a performing arts program or anything like that, but I was really interested and tried to sort of organize a drama group club. Uh, but then I got friendly with one of our music teachers who was part of a Long Island adult community theater. And I sort of grew up there. I mean, from ninth grade to 12th grade. So you're performing? I was in the ensemble, but yeah. more importantly, I was in the office because the only way I can get there would be to get a ride with him <laughs> uh, and then get a ride home because they would rehearse in the evenings and my dad worked and my mom didn't drive. So I wound up just volunteering in the office and I started at an early age to learn about other things than performing. So when it came time to go to school, college, I knew I wanted a, a program that, yes, of course, had acting, but was, had more. I mean, I started to have this fantasy and this dream of starting a theater company, which, you know, luckily I was able to do with MCC Theater. But Mm -hmm. 
at that time, I didn't know that would exist. So I went to NYU for theater management and acting. You want me to keep going? And yeah, then, well, yeah, no. And well, then how I fell into casting, though? Well, yeah. So, okay, theater management. So, you knew that you didn't want to perform. Like, was, I guess you were in the ensembles. You had that realization. You're like, I'm just not going to try that route. Yeah. And I was doing it in college, and I just didn't love it as much as I loved trying to make the other stuff happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, but, like, let's do theater in the basement at some building at NYU. And all that kind of stuff interested me more. Okay, so then college, you come out of college with a theater management degree. Yeah, and, and we had the most amazing professors in that theater management program because they were all working professionals in New York. And uh, Barbara Houtman was our main teacher. And at that mm-hmm. time, she was the executive director of TDF. And before that, she was the executive director of Twilight Tharp on Broadway. And, you know, had a she was a working professional. And she ultimately ran, you know, SDC. And uh, she was helping us get jobs because we were graduating. And mm-hmm. she introduced me to Meg Simon and Frank Human, who at that time were their premier, one of the premier New York theater casting directors. And they were looking for someone to do their accounting and their bookkeeping. And because I was a, you know, accounting minor, thanks to my mom's Persistence. And she uh, make you get something that could yeah. be quote useful. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I took a lot of business classes at NYU, and uh, so I started working for Megan Fran, and I just loved it. I mean, I was you know one of their two assistants, and just started seeing actors coming and going, and started to understand what you know you knew what casting was as a young mm-hmm. actor, but not really. And I watched the two of them work and watched auditions and started going to the theater every night with them, without them, and ushering, you know, off-Broadway shows and and started to learn your own taste and really wanted to sort of pursue that track while starting this club, which was MCC. And mm-hmm. it felt like they really both matched each other well. And I stayed there for about six and a half years. So MCC, you started... Before before you got into being an actual casting director, yeah, we I started uh, MCC like you know also like two weeks after NYU. There was about seven of us from a class along with Bob Lapone, who was a guest teacher. That we started this club, you know MCC, and so they both were you know and my and then right. my daytime job was working at Megan Franz. Well, okay, so I want to I want to take a sidetrack real quick. Then <laughs> sure, talking sure. about MCC, so I, I know a lot of people who have theater troops and they have clubs and they have friends and. Is is, I guess how how easy is it to just be like yeah I'm gonna start an off Broadway theater now and did you was that the goal at the time or did you just want to have something in a black box somewhere where you performed or no I, I at that time my goal was to have a real not for profit theater company I mean that was primarily what I was studying at NYU you know through four years of internships and you know, studying not-for-profit theater with Barbara Houtman and all the other professors. We weren't... So that is what I wanted to do. I, I don't know how you do that at 21. And, you know, and it was like, oh, well, Bob is, you know, the working professional on Broadway. So, like, let's do this. And, you know, I just had more chutzpah to sort of, like, continue to pursue that. Yeah, you're another... That's another story of... <laughs> that I've heard of, like... Well, I didn't know it was going to be hard, so I just did it. Right. No, that's exactly right. We didn't yeah. know. It was, you know, and now 33 years later, it's just as hard and harder. But yet, you know, we have our own building and our own home, and it it all worked. Right. Okay. Okay. So back to casting. Sure. Um, so you've got MCC on the side. You're casting for MCC, I assume. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, at that point, at that time, early on, we were doing readings and workshops. I mean, we didn't really do our first production until. 86, which was Beirut. Right. Okay. So MCC, you said you started when you were 21. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So then Beirut, when was that? Uh, How old are you then? Uh, 25. Okay. So four yeah. years. Four years. And and when are you working? So Risa, Risa Brayman and Billy Hopkins. Yeah. That came a, a, a slightly after around 86, I think, or 87. I then left Megan Fran. Uh, because then I was going to like put all my energy into MCC because now we're taking off, even though we were like doing our first show. You know? <laughs> I just needed to like spend more time at the theater. And then I met Risa and Billy, 
who at that time were both young directors directing at EST, but they also were doing the casting for EST. Mm-hmm. And they had just exploded because they did Desperately Seeking Susan and Fatal Attraction and, you know, Born on the Fourth of July. And they were just starting to do all these amazing New York movies that were getting all these New York actors, you know, these premier roles. And they were expanding and they needed some freelance. And then I met them and they said, come cast with us and you can do your theater. We do Mm -hmm. our directing thing and, you know, you'll do a project and you can do your theater. And so I worked on and off for them for about two years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then in 88, I sort of went out on my own. I mean, while I was with them, we did a commercial uh, because it was this really groovy Richard Avedon commercial who was directing his first live action commercial. You know, he's the famous photographer. And we put all these amazing uh, theater actors in it, you know, from Larry Brigman Mm -hmm. to, you know, Ron Vodder, who was a part of the performing garage at the Wooster Group, and Bob Joy and you know, it was just a commercial that really took off for IBM. And then everyone started calling Risa and Billy to do more commercials. And they did not want to do that. You know, they had too many <laughs> movies going on and they were too, you know, it was very busy. And they said, just go open up your own shingle and do commercials. So that's how you started? So that's how I was like, okay, now I'll have commercials on this phone line and an MCC on this phone line. <laughs> and, you know, I supported myself doing the commercials and then did the theater. So, okay, so in 88, <laughs> 88, you said you went out, okay. And were you just Telsey at this time? Yeah, it was just, I mean, would you have a company name? No, it was just Bernie Telsey casting, yeah. I think we had at the time. Or, you know, I was doing commercials. And then Will Cantler, who was the other artistic director of MCC, mm-hmm. you know, was the director at, in trade. And it was like, well, do the commercials with me. Because then we could both be here for MCC. You know, Bobby's acting and we'll both do these Commercial. So then we just started doing that for a few years. That's okay. That's interesting. And so that was, that was a couple of years. And and then the, the first, I guess the well, uh, let me back up a second. I was going to ask in the late eighties. I mean, New York is kind of known for being very dirty at that time. Like it's nothing like it is now. You know, and was most of the film and most of the TV done in on the West Coast, or was yes. there still a little? I mean, bit? there was some. You know, I mean, there were the Juliet Taylors and Ellen Lewis's who were. You know casting amazing movies in New York, but there wasn't the television that there is now. And there wasn't even the, you know, the musicals like they are now in the mm-hmm. sense of pop and rock and anything goes kind of thing. Uh, so there wasn't, there was theater. Yeah. Well, that kind of reminds, well, I, I guess that segues into like your first big credited show was Rent, right? right? In 96, which I, it, I talk about how it changed kind of the genre, not the genre, well, yeah, it changed Broadway, right? Because it brought this new style, this new pop music into what is traditional, like 15-minute dance breaks. Like, that's not what Rent was or is. And I was reading, too, that it, like it put you on the map as being totally. able, well, for one, you cast this major success, but then, two, it shows that you could do something outside the norm. Right. So how did how did that, how did you Make that relationship. How did that come? Uh, that's a great story. While I was doing the commercials, Will and I, uh, Peter Sellers had called, a uh, wonderful stage director. Of and he had done a lot of theater every now and then that Meg Simon and Frank Human would cast. And he knew me through that world. And here it was, you know, many years later that he was doing a production of Merchant of Venice at the Goodman. And... Uh, Meg at that time had already been moved on to casting television. Mm-hmm. So he called me to cast this Merchant of Venice and then this rock musical that he, rock opera that he was doing called uh, I Was Looking at the Ceiling and Then I Saw the Sky by John Adams, who's a wonderful opera composer. And they were going to tour around Europe. And the breakdown you could say was, you know, very rent esque, mm-hmm. even though rent didn't exist yet. You know, this was like, 92, maybe 93. And Merchant Venice was a great success of the Goodman. And then that segued into us casting for the Goodman and that kind of stuff. But then we did this rock musical that toured around Europe. And that was it. It was never supposed to come to New York, or maybe it was. But And then New York Theater Workshop started 
developing rent. And they had an in-house casting director, but she was leaving uh, to have a baby. And they called me and said, would you, we know you did this rock musical that was diverse and young, and would you come and do New York, our production of Rent and our production of Quills, um, which is this wonderful, wonderful play, by the way, if you don't know Quills. Uh, and at that time, you know, I was like doing so many commercials and the theater was going and I, you know, I always laugh when I talk to young actors. I say, never say no, because I tried to say no <laughs> to, to uh, Jim Nicoller. I was, didn't know if I'd have the time to work on Rent, but I asked, is there any way I could just do Quills? Because Quills was a really good play. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I hadn't listened to anything in the Rent. I didn't know. It just felt like, oh my God, I just did this musical and I don't know if I have, you know, and he said, no, you have to do both. So I took both. And, you know. So thank, glad you did. So glad I did. And, and mostly because even to this day, there was nothing more rewarding and exciting and challenging than working on Rent. Uh, getting to work with Michael, who I had known, and Jonathan Larson and Tim Wilde, the musical supervisor. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. And, you know, that was at a time where there weren't those kind of musicals, even off-Broadway let alone there wasn't even off-Broadway musicals. And I didn't know any of this getting... I mean, I knew it was going to be hard because the Peter Sellers thing was hard. Mm -hmm. uh, but this was almost impossible because, you know, it was an off-Broadway musical which didn't exist in any genre. And even though Jonathan kept saying, I really want rock voices and pop voices, I didn't really know what that meant until we got in the room when he basically did not want anyone who was coming into audition <laughs> to be in the show because he really, really wanted these specific voices. And it was at a time when, you know, God bless the agents, but they'd rather their clients be in the ensemble of the second national tour of Les Mis than be a lead in Rent because, it, you know, they, it wasn't at a time, and now a debuting in a lead in an off-Broadway musical gets a lot of visibility and gets yeah, a lot of attention. Yeah. It wasn't happening at that time. So, you know, why is someone going to work for $200 off-Broadway in a musical that no one knows about when they can make a Broadway salary on the tour of Les Mis? You know, I mean, it was just, mm -hmm. it makes no sense right now when you say that, but it really was hard. And we had a year, I mean, to cast that, thankfully. It takes that long? No, I mean, you know, here's the genius of Jonathan and Michael and Jim Nicola and Tim, they knew it was going to be hard because Jonathan, as all the stuff you read about now, he knew he was really putting a new voice, a new sound. Yeah. So he, someone must have said, you gotta, you know, we gotta take the time to do this. And if we really know we're going to do this a year from now at the New York Theater Workshop, why are we not just starting now to cast it? And Michael at the time was the artistic director of La Jolla. Mm-hmm who I knew because we were casting for them. And he was always going to be in New York like every six weeks. So it was like, I'll come from New York and we'll do two days of auditions. And then I'll go away and I'll give Bernie, you know, a chance to keep looking. Where was I going to keep looking? You know, you, know, you know what I mean? I didn't have the body of knowledge that we do now. You know, so it was, you know, we always laugh and say we would do an open call because we could not find, you know, Roger. You know, someone yeah. who sang like, like it needed to be sung. And, you know, we would do an open call and, you know, 22 people would come and they'd all look like Alice Cooper. You know, I mean, it was, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? As opposed to when we did the first open call for Broadway, when it was transferring, we had 4,000 people yeah, show I was going to say, 22 does not sound like a lot. No, you, yeah. know, you know, I mean, it was nothing. You know, it was in an office, you know, half the size of this. And it was like, but, you know, out of those 22 guys, there was Adam Pascal. Mm -hmm. And it was like, God bless if you can sing. And of course he did. And, you know, it was like calling Michael and Jonathan and going, I got one. You know, <laughs> tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., he'll be there. But, I mean, there's so many wonderful Ren stories. But it really was, it really taught me everything mm -hmm. in the sense of how to search, how to be a detective, how to, you know, find new talent. You know, it wasn't about the people that I knew. because those people we brought in the first two weeks and it didn't work. Right. You know. Well, so are, are you the first line of defense and you're like, you're the screening 
You're the, you're the filter that's like, okay, so I'm going to now send this on to send these out of these 22 people. I'm yeah, send I think that's three to Jonathan Larson. Uh, in that case, yeah. I mean, in that particular case, and I think it's all casting directors, we are the front line. We're the mm-hmm. people who see the talent first before the creative team, whether it's the director, producer, or writer. You know, in the case of Rent, we were just seeing people on our own. We, meaning me and Will or David, mm-hmm. and because we were a staff of two and a half. And uh, if we liked someone, then we would hold auditions for Michael and Jonathan and Tim Weil. Mm-hmm. Well, you were, I was reading too, you're credited with, or notable for discovering Tay Diggs, Idina Menzel, Anthony Rapp, and Jesse L. Martin. Like, you've made the careers of these people. Yeah, I, I would like to look at it as we introduced them. I don't, you know, I mean, they were as talented as they were. Yes. You know what I mean? It you was discovered the right, them. Yeah. You I, didn't uh, invent them. You no, no, we did. Yeah, yeah. Introduced them. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're right, you know. But, you know, Jesse was someone I knew because of casting commercials. Yeah. And he was so good and so, you know, lit up the room every time he came in for a commercial. And you, you and I can go, really? You saw that in a commercial? But he was that kind of raw, accessible, loving, you know. And then it was, okay, you sing, come in for this musical. I mean, it only took, you know, seven, seven times of him not showing up <laughs> to, finally, <laughs> to finally come in where I think I had to drag him there and say, you have to come do this. And, you know. So the actors were reluctant to put their name um, on something so different? Not put their name. I mean, in Jesse's case... I don't do musicals. You know, it was that kind of thing. I don't do musicals. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not a singer, and it was like, I know, but this isn't a musical. This is a musical. (laughs) You know, this is something different, and they really want someone like you. And, you know, just come in and stand around a piano, and we'll see. And, you know, it was that kind of a thing, you know. That's that's incredible. So you said it was a year uh, that you got to work on this, but generally, in, in terms of the mechanics of casting now, how far in advance... Do you do you get notice of like all right we're gonna? Well, I guess one question is, do do people pitch castings to different companies? Like there's you, and you're not the only casting director or casting company in New York. But how does I guess first of all, how does one decide to use Telsey and Company? And then second, how far in advance is that process normally? Uh, you might have to ask some of those people who <laughs> decide to hire us. But I, you know, I think when a project is knowing it's going to happen, right? Whether it's in the so if you, you know, musicals for instance, start so early on in the process. You know, nowadays and even back then, even Rent had readings before mm-hmm. it ever got to production. You know, all of these kind of shows do. So I think the minute that they're ready to do a reading, even if it's a reading just for the composers and the authors and the director. They need a casting director. Mm-hmm. And I think like any of us get hired based on our relationships with those creative members. Sometimes it's the director or the producer or the composer who has a history with us and says, oh, I really want you to cast this. Or it could be a brand new team that maybe is meeting a few of us. Mm-hmm. You know, There are times where we too have to audition in the sense of we go in and have a meeting and talk about our process here and what makes us who we are and but usually with a musical it's almost like two years out before the first workshop or before it hits broadway uh no i would say wait it's about two to two and a half years before it hits broadway sometimes longer you know i mean we get hired i mean there are some shows that we've been doing readings of for five years and Mm -hmm. hasn't gotten to broadway yet but now it all of a sudden has dates and it's actually coming to broadway right you know so we could start anywhere from two to four years because the the music, the script, uh, there. I mean, the creatives from the creation standpoint are working sometimes six, seven, eight, ten years in advance. Oh yeah. So then they they come. Do do they ever? I guess they come to you with the finished character breakdowns, or do they just give you a script and you're like, you write the character breakdowns? Uh, both. You know, yeah. I mean, if they have a real insight. To okay, this is what I want. Then they'll share all that with us. That mm-hmm. what you call the character breakdown, or they'll say, you know, this is what we think it's going to be, but we're also open. You know, that was the great thing about Ren. Not to keep going back there, but you know, Jonathan was very much about. I wrote these guys, but I'm open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Collins was originally written as like a Bruce Springsteen type 
character. Oh, really? You know, like at, like if you look at the earlier breakdowns for Collins, it actually says that, which is nothing like the smooth Jesse Martin. Right. You know, I mean, but that came out of the kit. You know, I mean, but that was a wonderful moment where mm-hmm. Jonathan was like, or we can shake it all up. I was like, oh, we can? Great. And let's try something different. So sometimes the creative teams will rely on the casting director to use the process mm-hmm. to change something that they might have been originally writing. Okay, so then let's take uh, let's take Frozen for example. One of the great successes now that you and your company have cast. So, how far in advance did Disney come to you and say we're going to have these characters? Obviously, these iconic, well-known characters already right. of Elsa and Anna and everybody right. else. And uh, yeah, so uh, how do you approach how do you approach that? How do you approach filling those shoes? Because those are those are animated shoes yeah, yeah. <laughs> that people need to fill in a very specific way. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, in that case, I think they came to us about three and a half years before it ever got to the out-of-town Broadway production or the Broadway production. That was basically like the day the movie came out. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> well, I think the day the movie came out and they saw those results, they knew they were writing a musical. <laughs> you know, and again, that's something that they'll tell us and say, Bernie, in about seven months, we're going to do the first reading. Mm-hmm. But start thinking about it now. Okay. So, you know, so that your wheels are turning, right? Because yeah. you know you're going to need new, not new necessarily, but younger sounds. You know it's going to be a big score sung. So, you know, as you're casting all those other women in other shows, think about who might be an Anna or Elsa because in about eight months we're going to come to you to start organizing a reading. And, you know, so that's all you, so in that case, you're just, you might not have read it, but you know what the shoes are because of the animated movie. And you know, you might not hear all the, well, you know some of the songs actually. Mm -hmm. You know how hard, you know, Let It Go is. You know, it's another, you know, Alphaba. It's another, you know, any one of those big kind of roles. Do you, did you go to Idina and ask her if she was interested? I would not have. I mean, if I believe that those conversations would have happened way before we were ever hired, if there was oh, really? any. I, I, yeah. I don't think she would have done that. I have no idea if they asked. Yeah. yeah. Kristen Bell, too. I would love to see her oh my on God. Broadway, right? I remember, hey, we put her in their first reading of the Tom Sawyer musical that yeah. she did. Yeah, I wanted to come back. Um, I know. She always uh, threatens to. I saw her in, <laughs> in Hollywood. Uh, and she said, I will when the kids are older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I listened to um, Armchair Expert with Dax's podcast. And, you know, he's always talking about what they're doing. She's just, they're, both of them are so busy. I don't think they'd make no. it out here anytime soon no. for a permanent amount of time. But, uh, okay. So, Frozen, for example, is kind of the gift that keeps on giving because it's running forever knock on wood, right? And so there are replacements. So, and there are put-ins and there are standbys and there are understudies and and, and now the there's National the tour. tour opens tonight in yeah, LA. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you've got all of that. Is that something that, um, I guess in terms of, of resource management and scheduling with your team and from a logistics standpoint, from a business owner, where do you prioritize? How do you prioritize with your staff? And do you have like the mechanics of the company to come in every morning and like, oh, um, so we just heard that that Casey Levy wants to leave the show. We got to find somebody in a week. Like, how does this all work? Yeah, yeah, that's good questions. Uh, you know, one of the things I, you know, could not live without is this amazing staff that we have. And, uh, you know, many, if not 75% of them have been here, you know, 10 to 30 years. So it's a really great close-knit group of a bunch of different casting directors with different tastes and different eyes, but we all work together as a team. Mm -hmm. And specifically to answer your question, we have a a group of the employees who are all in the musical department. You know, so there's about six casting directors and four associates and three assistants who all work on all the musicals. And we try to sort of make every project, especially the ones that are running, like the Broadway replacements and tours, they all have like a team of three or four people. Even though everyone in the office is always looking uh, on those long, you know, everyone always knows we need an Alphaba and Wicked, or now we mm-hmm. need an Anna and Frozen. Uh, but it's that team of four who are constantly looking. 
So they're dedicated to, sh- to they're, specific shows? Yeah, they're dedicated. Like full-time, or do they kind of rotate through? Uh, you know, they'll do something else besides Frozen, yeah. but it's, you know, the four people who are doing Frozen are not the four people who are doing, you know, six Hamilton companies and, <laughs> or the people who are doing Wicked. You know, I right. mean, it's spread out right. because the shows that are very successful and and have multiple companies are very demanding. I mean, of course. Hamilton right now has five or six companies that you're every day someone's replacing. So, like, that's an example where there's three people who, you know, two of them are dedicated to, you know, do nothing but because there's so much turnover hmm. and there's so much need. You know, it's such a big company. Uh, that, that raises a question, too, a very interesting one, because you have something that is distributed like that in London and in, on the West Coast and the East Coast and everywhere. Are you, and I know you've got office presence you know, on the West Coast as well. How are you, how are you or where are your talent pools and how are you tapping into them? Which is going to lead to a later question of how do you discover new people? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the talent is everywhere now, right? It's and the great thing about the internet is we can reach talent everywhere and anywhere. You know, yes, yeah, so are we on the streets of London and Australia on a daily basis? Of course not. We just can't. So right. you know, we don't do the musicals that are there. We might consult with Australia. You know, the great thing about the internet and whatnot is we can reach talent all over the world now. It's global. And it's so easy to get people to audition from anywhere. And we are doing that in film and TV on a daily basis. You know, with musicals or stage productions, yes, we can hire talent and see talent from all over, but we're not on the streets of London and Australia looking for the brand new musical talent because, one, it's a lot harder for them to work here, and two, we just can't be there to do that. You know what I mean? So we might consult on the Wicked in London or the Hamilton in Australia, but we don't cover those. We cover the, the U.S. territory. Uh, so the talent pool is everywhere, and you know, many people on our staff are flying or watching videos or looking at YouTube. I mean, we're looking all over the place. You know, someone's in San Francisco today doing Hamilton auditions and someone's in L.A. doing Wicked auditions. And, you know, you just Mm -hmm. have to constantly go. It's interesting. I think Jessica Vosk got... My theory is that she got noticed for her dead alphabet when she was doing Fiddler on the Roof, right? (laughs) So she got noticed for doing all the hashtag dead alphabet stuff on Instagram, which then was somebody was like, oh, yeah, let's bring her in for alphabet. Yeah. Like, is it... Is that is there truth behind that? Uh, yeah, you know, she might think that. I mean, <laughs> this office has been seeing her and casting her in a million shows, you know, but everything is timing. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? That could have been going around at the same time she came in and killed it at her audition. You know what I mean? But uh, you can neither confirm nor deny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like that stuff is crazy. To me, you know, listen, sometimes it takes people used to say, why am I going in to rent? It's the 12th time. It's like sometimes it takes 12 times. Mm-hmm. And you, you know what I mean? There's been many people who've gotten hired. You know, so you just never know when the timing is going to be. How, how, I mean, you mentioned the internet, and that was going to be something else too, was now it seems very easy, especially for, for sending in self-tapes. Literally, you just like sing into your iPhone and, you know, email it to somebody, right? Um, but before, you know, in the 80s and the 90s, and even probably the early 2000s, before people even really had, widespread broadband, right? I mean, YouTube came out in 2005, six, yeah, something like so, that. Yeah. Um, so it's been like just over a decade that probably your talent pool has just exponentially grown, right? Oh, absolutely. So how, is it easier or harder now to, to find people? Because uh, I feel like there's a lot more noise would be my, my thought. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's easier to look for people. Right? Like the days of rent, I couldn't look unless I was in a room or I went to clubs, right? There was no such thing as tape. You know, I mean, there was, it wasn't going to happen or no one was going to watch a tape to hear somebody sing, let alone cast someone. So Mm -hmm. it's so much easier now to look for talent. Uh, But like you said, there's a lot of noise that you have to get through. Because it's so much easier to look, so much more is coming at you. And you're getting hit from all over. You're getting hit from agents, from YouTube, from individuals who are doing self-tapes. 
Or I can never lie down and go, I've seen everyone because I know I haven't. Because did I look at 70,000 YouTube impressions? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, so we're just, it's easy to look, but we have so much to look through to find that individual person who's going to be the one that everyone's going to agree on wanting to hire. Are there, are there two types of categorizations? I, I would think that it's like you got your, your, your original Broadway casts that are more traditional, um, known for Broadway people and then maybe if ticket sales start to slump a little bit that's when you know they they'll bring in a celebrity they'll bring in like a bigger name that isn't known for Broadway like Anastasia before it closed brought in Cody Simpson right mm-hmm. who's this got 7 million followers on on YouTube um do do you have do you, are you told that you need to look for somebody of that nature of like oh okay so so Okay, alternate reality, we're in the upside down, right? Um, and Frozen's not doing well. And they're like, oh, we got to replace Alphaba with a celebrity so we can try to sell some more tickets. How, where do you go to? Is it a different pool? Yeah, I mean, sometimes we're told by producers, you know what I mean? If there's a name out there that could be right, can you be tracking that? Can you be finding that? Or we're told we have to have that. You know what I mean? It's a business. So mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. And we all could sit here and name a million times where like, oh my God, that person was amazing. And the show ran for another six months. Right. You know what I mean? Which meant there was more work for everyone. And there was a show that everyone got to go see. So we're constantly doing that. I mean, even down to when it's first starting at a reading, sometimes it's, hey, is there someone with a name that might want to do this? You know, I mean, that's a lot harder because they're not going to commit to the length of time that is needed to originate a role. Right. Uh, like but, Taylor Swift is not going to come in and originate a Broadway show right, right now. I don't think she's coming in even for six <laughs> weeks. <laughs> but I'll, I'll check because everybody asks me to check. Uh, but that's also a different kind of casting and a different challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what's so wonderful about the job because it's there's always a different challenge. And... Uh, Hard as it may be, yeah, come on. It's exciting when you can find someone that, you know, can do the role. And look, you know, I think on the top of my head, all the great, exciting, different people that went in and out of Waitress. Right. From the part of the doctor to, you know, the part of Jenna. You know what I mean? And it was wonderful to yeah. get to see that many people do the role. Even like Kiki Barber. Yeah. I'm going to Kiki, yeah, yeah. Kiki Business yeah, yeah. an NFL yeah. player? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Like, that's <laughs> something I'd go see, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the idea. But um, going back to the idea, you know, you're looking for a name sometimes for these OBCs, and, or you want somebody with like selling power, right? But how, how do you find, uh, <laughs> let me rephrase the question here. So there's the people like who are, known to be leads, who are known to be supporting, and and there are people who, you know, just there are thousands and thousands of actors in this city. So I took I take, for example, um, Daniel J. Watts, right? Mm-hmm. Just opened his Ike Turner and Tina. It's so damn good. Oh my gosh, yes. So damn good. Yes. Like, uh, sorry. Amazing. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, this is his ninth Broadway show, but first principal role. Right. So what oh, I got the chills. <laughs> <laughs> what what takes what turns somebody up a notch in a casting director's mind of saying, "Oh, let's give them a shot at this really heavy role now." Uh No, I know. And it's like I'm remembering all those kind of people. Uh you know, we're seeing them in the if you say like with Daniel specifically, right? We've mm-hmm. seen him in those eight shows. Mm-hmm. As opposed to you know, I think all casting directors are going to the theater, going to the movies and the TV all the time. And we're knowing someone's body of work beyond what may or may happen, what may or may not happen in an audition. You know, the play that Daniel did off Broadway at Second Stage. He mm-hmm. was fucking genius in it. Am I allowed to curse? Absolutely. Oh, uh, you know, so you knew he had the acting and he had the chops. You know, whether or not everyone knows that, how could they? Because how is anyone, and that was a team who doesn't even necessarily live in New York, you know, the creative team on, on yeah. Tina. Uh, I mean, some of them did, but not all of them. Uh, so we're always trying to open up our minds to 
bring people in for auditions. I mean, I'm sure to, you know, for every time I say that, there'll be another actor that says, I can't get into your doors and, you know, you shut me out. I, I don't know. That's not our goal. Our goal is to see people who we like and give them the opportunity. And then they have to be able to do it. And Daniel nailed it in that audition. I was in that room. And, you know, and yes, you might have someone on a team who might go, ooh, but he hasn't done the lead. He was only in the blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, it's our job to go, yeah, but you didn't see him in this off-Broadway play where he was actually a principal. Yeah. Because, you know, it, but it was an off-Broadway play. It wasn't a musical. And, uh, and that's why he's right for this, because you keep saying you want an actor, not your, you know, traditional musical theater right. guy. Uh, so sometimes it really is just about getting the opportunity and him killing it in an audition and that you know, I mean, there's always other little things. You know what I mean, but, right? Oh, that yeah. That that's it's always interesting how some like you hear about someone's big break, and you and from the acting side, it's oh, I just happened to run into this person who suggested I go in for this audition, and then I got it and whatever. But from the casting side, you guys are are just you're nonstop and always looking for replacements, always. Like in my mind, I, I'm I've done a little bit of casting years and years and years ago, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and it's it's interesting how I had to continually challenge myself. How you just said to see to try to see people in a new way because I didn't want to keep them in a box, right? And it's the only way you get fresh and new ideas, not just for yourself but for the teams, right? I mean, they're like they're excited to have someone like Daniel in that role and. You know, as opposed to, oh, the guy who just played the supporting lead in last year's Broadway musical. You know, I mean, you're always, look, everybody wants something mm -hmm. new and fresh and different. And, you know, the other thing that's happening now is there's so much work. I mean, there's so much work and there's so much television work. Yeah. I mean, yes, there's much more theater work going on everywhere. But actors have so much more of an opportunity now just because there's so much stuff out there happening. It, it, speaking of TV, there are some obvious ones that your company has cast, like Smash and Fosse Verdon, and all like the live musical shows that have been a trend the last couple of years. Even um, I was really happy to see your name on Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, that. But there are some muggle shows out there, too, that, that you cast. Uh, this Is Us, Tales of the City, NCIS, Masters of Sex, The Big C, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And now, like when I wrote all those down, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense why I see... Santino in this one and all the, you know, <laughs> these other Broadway names on on TV. Uh, was it kind of a natural transition to to start adding the TV and film to your repertoire? Uh, you know, we were doing film early on. I mean, that sort of started. It's always been there? Uh, not, uh, yeah, like, you know, we were doing one film every two years, three oh, right. years. I mean, you know, when we were starting out. And, and that became, it sort of happened with artists who knew us. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Thankfully, Peter Hedges, a wonderful writer and director, was directing, you know, his first movie and asked us to cast it because he knew me from MCC. Right. You know what I mean? And then we do his movie and then, you know, that helped. Or Julie Tamor knew us, so she asked us to do a cruise across the universe. Uh, over the years now, we've done enough movies that hopefully it's through a director that knows us or an artist that knows us or a reputation uh, the TV was the the last to sort of come on board. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, like anything, like it's kind of the sure, last to, to build up in New York too, right? Yeah, yeah, it was the last to build up in New York, and I think, understandably, people were like, "Oh, that's the musical guy, or that's the theater guy," and doesn't do TV. And that's true; I wasn't doing TV. And there's a whole other world of television with contracts and studio and network, and you know. That's where it's all about the relationships. Laura Linney was doing the Big C. Right. She was a producer on the Star, and she and Michael Engler, who also comes from the theater and was the other executive producer, asked me to come on board. And of course, they knew me through just being a fellow New York theater guy, and right. you know, and that really sort of opened up the window for us to do TV. And now, so the Big know, C was like the TV version of Rent for you. Yeah, yeah, you know, what I mean, and and then that just became oh, then someone it. Sony or Showtime said, oh, can you do this other one? And, you know, and now, you know, we do a 
ton of TV and we opened up an LA office for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. How, you know. how long ago did the LA office uh, open up? Four years ago. Oh, so it's relative. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they primarily do, you know, 99% television and some of the movies. Like, whenever we do a movie, we co-do it, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiffany Little Canfield, run, who worked here for 16 years, opened up the LA office about four years ago. Just seems like so much fun. Oh, you said it right on the nose. It is so much fun. And, you know, part of my reason for building a big office is so that we could have our own collaboration besides whatever we're doing with the team, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yes, I talk about the years of rent. It was nice to be in that room with Jonathan and Michael, but like, you know, you want that outlet to come back and go, they're, they're crazy. They're never going <laughs> to like anybody. You know, you know what I mean? Or like, help me. You know, you know what I mean? Like, so much yeah. of casting is by yourself, which is wonderful, but I'm much more of a people collaborative person. And maybe that's because of the whole MCC experiences. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of my dream or goal was like, how can we do that in a casting situation? How mm-hmm. can we afford to have more people working on casting so that we could have access to more talent and have more fun? And there's nothing better than coming out of a room and sharing with the rest of the team who was liked, who was great, even if they're not going to get the part. But hey, you should see them for what you're working on. Oh, yeah. You know, like we have a whole thing on our schedules, you know, which actors never know. Right. You know, that is like, so while you're sitting there, you might be writing, oh, see for Wicked, oh, see for Smash, oh, see for Tales of the City. You know, I mean, because I just did that today. I was casting a play and I'm writing, oh, we should see her for the TV show. Oh, yeah. You know, even if she's not getting the play. Right. You know, those things happen all the time. And we're always sharing, stealing ideas from each other. Well, it's all, it's, you're, you're yeah. all the same team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so it's in, really fun. So we're here in your, in your offices uh, above Bubblegum Shrimp, I think. Yes, right? yeah. Bubblegum Shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> At, uh, in Times Square. We're in one of your audition rooms. There's a camcorder right here that's been set up from an audition, I guess. Yeah. And do you, stay, do you save all your archives, the yeah. tapes? Yeah, yeah. So you have stuff from like decades back? Oh, yeah. I guess there and the film and the decades. TV, but we weren't taping in the theater like we do now. You know, I have schedules, you know, like those first rent schedules or, you know, the first Beirut schedule, you know, where you mm-hmm. have like, you know, when Marissa Tomei did it at MCC and then the show was moving off Broadway and Marissa had gotten her first TV show, the Cosby spinoff, and couldn't go with the play. And we did these other auditions for this amazing, you know, 20-year-old. And, you know, I have this one wonderful schedule that has Sarah Jessica Parker, Bridget Fonda, Laura San Giacomo and Kira Cedric. <laughs> and they were all like early 20s. And it's like, you know, coming in for this off-Broadway play at MCC, you know, like, what? You you, know, it does great. it ever get to you that that you, or like the pressure, is it pressure at all of knowing that you literally, like you have the decision power to, to make people's careers, to make their lives in some instances? Yeah, and, I don't think of it as the position power. I mean, I don't mean, you know what I mean? Because we're sort of, you know, just providing conduits conduits to producers and directors who have the power or studios. Uh, but there's the pressure to find someone that they're going to love more than it is the pressure of thinking about the actor, you know, because I know like the actors are in some ways, they're out there to want to be wanted. Yes. And I want them. Now it's about how am I going to get the team to want them? You know what I mean? So that's where the, the pressure comes from. Oh, my God, is so-and-so going to like someone today and pick someone? Or are we going to have to keep looking? And even though keep looking is okay, because you know there's more people to keep looking at, mm-hmm. like, I get it. If you only wanted to see five people, I don't know if I'm going to nail it in the first five. So there's always more people. But the pressure is trying to make everybody happy and feel good about making a decision because it's, you know, rallying the troops or rallying many different voices to agree on one person because only one person gets cast Mm -hmm. at a time. And you're having to, you know, you're like the host of the party in the sense of like you have to get everyone to sign off. Or if you're dealing with film and TV, then you have to like provide that story to the studio or the network this is who the team wants. And 
try to get them on the side. And, you know, so it's a lot of that kind of... A lot of politics, like like corporate politics, especially more in the TV and film. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, you know, again, corporate politics sounds like a negative. You know, there's a lot of procedures to go through. Mm, And there's a lot of corralling to go through. I, I don't get, you know, I mean... If they don't want to hire someone, they just say no. Yeah, I don't get it. Just they don't share with me why. So I don't. So luckily, we're outside of the politics, but we're very much the communicators, and you know, then have to go back to our teams and go. She wasn't approved. We have to keep looking, and that's hard. Hmm. Okay, so um, I have a Patreon account, and uh, patrons get to ask. Question. So there's one oh. there's one question here from a patron, and it's it's pretty pretty simple and obvious question. Is for us aspiring actors out there listening, what's the best way to submit themselves? Sure. Uh I think it's really important for a young actor or any actor to be uh like their own detective and trying to get seen and trying to get the audition. Uh so I think, you know, understanding that it is a business and submitting themselves with a letter. Or an email, you know, I mean, every office, but if you're specifically to me and you don't know me or you don't know the office, it's mail a letter or drop by a letter and tell your story. You know what I mean? Like, say, I hear you're casting the national tour of Frozen and I'd love to be seen for the Anna role because I feel like I'm really right for it. You know what I mean? It's like, Mm -hmm. tell us who you are in a cover letter and submit yourself. I mean... I know it sounds easier said than done, but it, it's important not to just like mail in a picture, like see me. Do, you, you know what I mean? Like There's the lots more of attractive people out there, right? The, no the more specific you can be on what you're contacting the office for, and what is that role, and what is that project, it at least it helps us hone in on someone we don't know, and then they might just go right into the honor folder. So when we're doing new honors, we'll potentially see her if we feel she's right. You know what I mean? I Mm -hmm. think too many times we get just open, just mail, you know what I mean? Or just a letter. And not that that's wrong, but if we don't know them, help us do your job is the kind of sort of helpful hint. Okay. So so kind of describe, yeah, to tell your story, describe what type you are. And not even to you or what you're look what you're wanting to be seen for. You know, sure, yeah, they'd like yeah. to be seen for anything we're casting. But if it's specifically to like, hey, Bernie, I know you cast uh, uh, This Is Us, and I'd really love a chance, you know, to be someone in the blah, blah, blah family. Or, you know, like, know what you're writing about. Of course, I'm going to take that picture and give it to the person or the team that works on This Is Us. Mm-hmm. So it's already gone to a hand than just a picture that came to the office. Do you, pre- make, yeah. you, know? Do you prefer digital submissions or, or hard copies? Whatever they want to do. Um, Fair enough. Personally, for me, either. So when when do you do you sign off on all the casting decisions? No, 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 no. no? There's 30 people here. Uh, uh, you know, there is people on every different project, and every different team, and there are things that I'm not even part of. That you know, other members who have been here forever cast those projects. Uh, I would say someone in this office is. Well, they but, have to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I do on all the projects I'm involved in, uh, and then I'll get updates on the ones that I'm not. That's a good good yeah. leader delegate. Yeah, yeah it's a big deal. I mean, it's the only way it would ever yeah. happen. And you know, part of my dream too was to breed more casting directors. You know what I mean? Because then people will pay attention to what casting is and know mm-hmm. that it's a profession and one that people can make a living at. And you know, they're not. We're not some like secret people sitting behind a door, uh, you know, or in a table. So, what, what do you do? You ever tell your readers? I was listening to a podcast the other day about how to overcome a bad reader during an audition. Do you ever specifically tell your readers, give them nothing? I want to see how they react to that. Or are you always? Like, no, how, how I mean, one of our things is we always hire readers. Oh, they're always on, external? On all the, yeah. You know, I mean, and they're actors who, you know, we pay to come in and read so that the actor auditioning, especially in the theater, which it's so hard, and, you know, you're using your whole body and you're using the whole space, we want them to have an actor to play off of. Because mm-hmm. it's going to only make it them look better. I mean, it's hard enough to do auditions. So how can we can try to provide a space that the actor can do their best work? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
sometimes a lot, most of the time, a lot of the film and TV pre-reads, one of the casting directors is reading. You know what I mean? Because it's just easier and mm-hmm. it gets right on camera. And, you know, this way they're looking right at the, at the person behind the camera. Hmm. I was always just curious about that. Yeah. Okay. So we'll wrap up this episode here. There's three standard cl- closing questions that I ask everybody. The first one is, what motivates you? Uh, the challenge, uh, the, you know, I mean, for me, this is like, you know, all the crossword puzzles I can never do. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> you know, I, I'm motivated by the work. I mean, it just sounds as corny as that is, but, well, it's fun. you know, you said yeah, that earlier, it's just yeah. really fun. And, you know, I'm motivated by the to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, and, you know, and it's mostly because there's nothing like meeting new talent. You know what I mean? Like it just happened again this morning. Like when someone just blows you away in the room and it's like today, someone I've known for a long time. And it's like, yeah, I would have not thought she would have been right for this role. Thankfully, someone else in this office brought that person in and they were amazing. And you can't wait for it to be over so you could potentially hire that person. Or in that case, you can hire that person. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's what's thrilling. That's awesome. Yeah. Next question is, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? There are aspiring casting directors out there. Uh, you know, start paying attention to everything you're watching or seeing. I, 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 uh, if you're a young person who really wants to go into casting, and I say that to some of the interns here, start taking notes. You know, whatever, whether it's a TV show or a, a movie, you have the access to the internet to print out that cast list and write a note. And make yourself just do that as an exercise. Like, oh, check off all the people you liked and maybe some that made no impression. If there's someone who made an impression, write what that was. Start to use your vocabulary to be able to talk about why did you really love her Hmm. and that thing. Even if you're not working for anybody or working on the project, you're starting to collect a folder of the people that you liked. And uh, I remember Meg Simon told me that when I started out and, you know, I have all my old playbills when I was ushering off Broadway and I would just write. Cause then there will come a time where you'll want to talk about one of those people. Cause maybe you'll be in a casting office where you actually need that. But there's no reason, even if you don't have the casting job yet, or no one's going to read what you wrote, that's the exercise you need to start doing because ultimately you're going to need to know the talent and you're going to need to be able to talk about why you like someone. Yeah, years later, you're not going to remember the specifics of that one show you saw. And why you liked him. Right. You know, or her. So that's what I would say to someone who wants to go into casting. And go see everything. And there's a million ways you can see things that don't cost money. You can usher off Broadway. You can volunteer at a lot of not-for-profits and then get to go see plays. And intern in a casting office if you can, just to start to get in the door. Yep. Okay, so this last question is the hardest one. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? I would be Rent. I mean, I mean, I just, you know, I mean, because I love that music and I love what it says. And just from a casting director, it's such an open palette of who could be in it, even to this day. So it'll it'll always be exciting just to watch new talent, even if you're don't want to watch the show anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you said I had to do it over and over and over again. Yeah, okay. So we can find you, find your company online at telseyandco.com. Obviously, you're on Instagram and Twitter at telseyandco. Uh, anywhere else that we could find you? I know MCC Theater. MCC Theater, of course. Of course. Yeah. Is that it? That's all, that's all you got? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, a, <laughs> I am not on social media myself. I, know, I, was, so. I was looking for it. I was like, you, on Instagram, you have an account, but no posts. I, that's true. I think, and if there's one or two, it's my son steals my phone and posts something. There's literally no post. Okay. You, you get, can track Felix Telsey, though. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, your son. Yeah, Felix Telsey. Everyone follow him. Um, you can get more of me at the theaterpodcast.com. You can support the podcast at theaterpodcast.com slash Patreon. I am on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Uh, please leave a rating, leave a review. This is edited by Matthew Hendershot. Thank you to Jukebox, the ghost for the intro and outro music and then Bernie thank you most of all this has been incredible oh thank you it's fun to talk take a deep breath make the world a little colorful 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.